0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Mock Draft Mondays. I'm your host Tyler Fornis, and I am back from Mobile, Alabama. Deshaun is joining. We're having, uh, we're fixing a slight technical error, which should be fixed here in just a moment. So strap in. We're going to talk a lot about prospects here tonight.
1: Welcome to Climbing the Pockets Mock Draft Mondays. Who will the Vikings pick, and who's your favorite choice? And we're back. Yes, we
0: are. Welcome to a Senior Bowl recap edition of Mock Draft Mondays. Guys, there is a lot to get to here from Mobile, Alabama, as I was live on the ground talking about prospects. And we already have a few people joining here in the comments section. Riley, we appreciate you stopping by. Dave, my man, it's been a couple weeks since I've seen you because I wasn't able to join from my hotel room. As I was preparing to cover the Senior Bowl, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. It's been a fantastic Monday. We have a coordinator and coach list starting to roll in. Things are good on the Viking side. However, I am really, really interested in what you saw down in, my, in Mobile because I don't do my draft prep until I start right about now. So... I'm clueless on this, and I need you to tell me what was good. And then, of course, I need you to touch on the linemen because I love the linemen.
0: <laughs> yeah, Dave, there's going to be a lot of conversation about the linemen, especially because the linemen were both really good and really bad. There, There is a lot to get to with the linemen, and I'm going to wait until Deshaun gets here. We're really going to jump into it. But I'm going to tell you. He's back. One of the interesting things about –
1: Yes. Yes. He just slew tremendous. in. He's in the green room. Here he is, Deshaun Vaughn, the man amid the, the legend oh, Amen. My...
0: Bing Pot. Deshaun, I'm welcome. Not... We were just kind of starting <laughs> the, the general conversation about the senior bowl. Um, did you get a chance to I know Dave said he wasn't really able to do any kind of prep and watch practice. Did you get yourself caught up um about with practice? Did you watch anything? Were you keeping tabs on it?
2: So I watched uh, I was mostly looking at the quarterbacks, um but I did watch uh the the dark side was it the american the American side no the, whatever side Bailey Zappi on that offensive line got murdered the entire game. I'm not sure who was on that yes. side of the ball, but they were getting beat off it was it was rough it was a rough day for the offensive line for the games
1: I, I was watching clips of some of the linemen on the one-on one drills type stuff. And uh, there was times when I was going, ooh, that's good. And then other times I was yelling at the screen going, leverage, leverage, balance, move your feet.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, yeah, uh, let's be honest. The, the best group uh, at the entire Senior Bowl was defensive line. They were fantastic all week, um, especially the interior guys. Perry on Winfrey was such a monster in the middle, that eventually in team drills, they had to double team him every play just because he was so disruptive.
1: Um, <laughs>
0: then you had. Uh,
1: I like the sound Solis. of that.
0: Let me tell you, you will love Perry on Winfrey. He was a little underutilized in Oklahoma because they had such a heavy rotation. But every time he came in the game, you just saw him flash. And he flashed big time at the senior bowl. Uh, <laughs> really, really uh, taking advantage of that opportunity. The D line classes have been a little suspect. But this one feels really stout in that second and third round range. Pretty much the prime space for the Vikings to potentially take a guy to be an interior pass rusher.
1: Now, is top he tough? was is is this guy uh, zero technique a nose guard, or is he um, a three tech?
0: He's a hybrid one-three technique. Um, you okay. could play him at at the one, but he's probably going to be best as a three technique. Wait in at three o three at the shade under 6'4". The guy's just a monster, and when you look at him in person, kind of built like a Mack truck, just thick. It doesn't look like there's bad weight on him. He's just a a big boy.
1: That's what you want in the middle. You want big boys. You don't want little guys. Little guys won't work. they got to be tough to push.
0: Yes, little guys definitely do not work in this situation, and I'll be quite frank. It didn't matter. Like it didn't matter what his what his size was. He was fantastic all week. Um, one of my favorite players at the Senior Bowl was Logan Hall. He's an he's an interior defensive lineman from Houston. Kind of fits the same mold as Peyton Turner last year. And everybody in the world knows how much I absolutely gushed and raved over Peyton Turner. I I, I could have given him a hug and a kiss to good night because I loved him that much. Uh, but the the one interesting part about um Hall, he's 6'5 and 7.8, only weighs 278, and was bullying interior offensive linemen with power, straight power, consistently. And I really worry about what his true position is in the NFL. And I've come to find that I'm absolutely obsessed, obsessed with tweeners. Um, two years ago it was Jason strobridge last year it was Peyton Turner, now it's Logan Hall. And just the amount of power and length that he has and how he's able to leverage his own body against the offensive linemen and really take them off their block, I think could be a really nice asset. Moving forward, I just worry what his traditional um, position is going to be as far as playing him every down.
1: All right. Um, a little hint on when it comes to linemen, and especially defensive line. well, any either lineman, either side. Mm-hmm. Where is their power? Is it from the hips down? Do they have legs like tree trunks? Are they driving from their legs? Is that where they're getting the majority of their power? Or do they have it upper body strength where they're, where they're shoving? You want to look at those two types because the guys can do it with their lower body. Um, it's more sustainable because they've, it's literally almost a lower center, center of gravity. And they can push. You combine the two, and you've got somebody that's absolutely special, right? But if you get a big guy up here where he's strong up top, yeah, he can maybe bull rush and punch and move, grab and move, because defensive linemen can use their hands um, legally. And, mm-hmm. and that helps too. But you want to – if you want – it, it's basically – How close to the center are you? The closer to the center, you want the big, thick, lower-body strength guys. And on the outside, if you're looking for Daniil Hunter, a lot of his strength is upper-body strength, where he can move a tackle that way and get him off balance. That's just something to look for. I will start looking when I start looking at the linemen, because I definitely want to look at the linemen, how that goes. So if this guy is that tall... And skinny at two seventy five or whatever you said he was, um, it's probably lower body. But and I have to look.
0: It, it looks to me initially like lower body and length is how he's ended up, ending up dominating these reps. And I'll take it. Like if if you're able to win like that on the inside with that kind of build, just imagine what uh, being able to kind of take over with uh with a little bit extra weight on the frame. And he's really explosive as well. That really kind of quickness with his power element. I don't necessarily worry about losing a, like a half a step of quickness just because he is so explosive already at this weight with that, with that length. Like he's got like over 34 inch arms. He is able to really separate himself from interior offensive linemen just by using that length. But when you kind of pair everything together, um, I love the kid. I I think he could be absolutely fantastic, but I genuinely don't know how he's going to transition moving forward. Are you going to want to play him at a five technique? Are you going to want to play him as a true edge? Are you going to want to have him as a stand-up guy? There's a lot of different routes you can go with him, and I think how a team uses him is going to be really his – how you're going to understand how he's going to be able to translate the best.
1: Makes sense. Deshaun, who did you like watching?
2: Oof, uh mm, What's his name? I'm bugging. The guy from Minnesota that everybody's kind of talking about now. The guy what that everybody's talking about now. Yeah, yeah. He uh he showed up in a big way. And that's what you want to see. Like in a game where the quarterbacks were pretty underwhelming, where a lot of the guys that you were looking to step up were kind of almost every single one of them. I think Malik Wills made a pretty cool play where he kind of ran like 70 yards to gain like 30 yards, but besides that a lot of the quarterback play wasn't wasn't great. Um, I think Ryder did some things that was pretty good. Uh Kenny Pickett I think went 6 for 6 or something like that, but seeing, you know, an edge that wasn't previously in that first round conversation do like explosive things off the line. I think he finished the game with uh, eight or nine pressures and two sacks dominated the whole game. That that was the most impressive thing, in my opinion. And then during the practice, Jermaine Johnson, someone that I I had uh, mentioned beforehand, really earned himself some money at the practices. He was dominating everybody in multiple ways. I think now uh, T D N has him like top ten in their in their predictive draft board or whatever like that. So those two uh, really showed out the most for me.
0: Yeah, Jermaine Johnson was an absolute monster. Um, If you remember two years ago, Defon Kinlaw uh, ended up opting out of the third day of practice, and he opted out of the game because of how incredible he was those first couple days. Johnson didn't need anything else to prove. He already came in as a fringe first-rounder and then came in dominated and ended up becoming (laughs) a potential top-ten pick. This edge class is really weird, guys. You have the top two guys, um, Hutchinson and Thibodeau, and then after that, you have got like a glut of like five guys. Any of them could end up being the third overall edge. There's just a lot of talent in this draft, and there's a lot of talent you can find on day two just because of the depth. A guy like Boye Mafe, Daniel Jeremiah came out and said he is a top, he's the top 32 pick. It's a first round guy. Well, there's only 32 spots in the first round, and not every team's going to want to prioritize an edge there, especially with where this class is at. There's going to be depth on day two guys that you probably shouldn't find on in the second round that are going to be available in the second round. And even in the third round, there are probably a dozen to 15 guys that will be in, um, included in high profile analyst top fifties Kingsley and from South Carolina had himself a pretty solid week, a little streaky, but his ability to win on the edge on the outside is really, really nice. Um, there, there was also a couple other guys that were, um, were surprises. Uh, Johnson from uh, Kentucky or sorry Kansas. He's only six foot two thirty, but he was winning reps on the edge. Same with McBride from Western Kentucky. There are a lot of really talented players that you're going to be able to get with value. This is where if you are able to keep Andre Patterson, this could be a really really good usage of having him help develop some of these guys because there's genuine talent. It's not dart throws. It's, these guys are better than where they're being picked just because of the glut and the depth in this class.
1: Well, that and you're going to have quarterbacks that raise their value just because of the lack of quarterbacks. You're going to have the combine stars that raise their value, and it drops a fat class of edge rushers down to where mm-hmm. you can steal them in the second and third round.
2: If I'm being honest, I don't see any QB really raising their stock combine wise. Maybe, maybe Carson Strong, because I feel like he's really the only one who can make every single throw. But like Malik Wills, he's going to struggle with throwing. Kenny Pickett, right? They're all all those guys are going to struggle with throwing at the combine. I, this like QB class, I think the bulk of them, I think one's going to go really high, and I think that's either going to be Wills or Pickett, or Willis or Pickett. After that, I think the rest of the guys fall to like 15, 20, sort of that area. It's gonna be a really, it's gonna be a really weird draft this year because I still think like three, four, maybe three or four quarterbacks go first round, but it's gonna be like the first time you see them like falling to like eighteen, 19, into the twenties, and people are, right, and them not having to move up to get any of them because um, even like Sam Howell, he showed some solid things at the Pro Bowl, but he's still like. Kind of like that fourth or fifth guy, so we'll see. It's gonna be such a weird, a weird way to see how people draft this year. Cause there's there are a few QB needy teams. And um, I know I don't know if you guys saw, but the 49ers are now only asking a day two pick for Jeremy Garoppolo. So we'll see how that ends up. So, yeah. And then the recent conversations around Kirk Cousins. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's gonna be a really weird like couple of months with a QB position between free agency and draft that could really have a big impact on where these QBs are drafted.
0: So I'll tell you this just from being on the ground in mobile. um, There is zero consensus about this class. The only consensus seems to be is people and teams aren't really confident. Any of these guys can be great starters in the NFL. Um, I, I read a report from Albert Breer and it kind of echoed everything that I had heard in mobile. Um, multiple teams would have the top five quarterbacks picked last year. Mm-hmm. And that would be, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, all of them would be the top QB this year. Uh, these guys, other than Willis really proving that he can, do- uh, physically dominate within structure, which he did. Um, the, The senior bowl is a very structured environment and Willis was able to really shine without really flashing his mobility at all during practice. And then obviously you had that run that Deshaun mentioned in the game, which he was only caught because Chad Muma sprinted across the field, the linebacker from Wyoming, and he, he was able to take down Willis, which was in itself very, very impressive. But when you look at everything encompassed, Willis still, has more still has questions to answer about progressions and in, in structure. Carson Strong, I saw that there's a question from Joseph about his knee, did not have the brace, was moving around pretty well. But uh, there were reports that he wasn't great in the interview process, and he seemed to really only want to show that he was mobile and not really want to play within the con- uh, constraints of the offense that the Jets were trying to implement, which is very timing and rhythm-based and Carson just wanted to show off his strong arm, but he was able to show off his strong arm, and and he could make every throw, and the ball really pops out of his hand. Pickett made zero throws that were impressive. He did nothing impressive. He was kind of a jag. He was there, but he also didn't make any kind of debilitating mistakes. He did struggle in the rain, and there's going to be more and more questions about that hand size, which if it measures in at the reported eight and a quarter inches, would be a zero percentile hand size for the quarterback position, which would make him an extreme outlier. Small hands are one thing. This is the smallest. And that's something that you really need to consider. Desmond Ritter, inaccurate. He, for whatever reason, and seems like his base is just all kinds of wonky, he cannot consistently accurately deliver the football. And right now, I I wouldn't touch him before day three, uh, but – I still need to really go back and look at the tape because he has some good tape and he has some tape. It's like, what in the world are you doing, man? It I've seems like question. you're just calm. cool. Yeah.
1: What football were they using? Were they using college footballs when you're talking hand size or NFL footballs?
0: I believe they were using NFL footballs because they were u- um, utilizing uh, for the game NFL rules. So Christian Watson ended up making a catch wasn't touched down, got up and sprinted forward. So I believe they were NFL footballs.
1: Okay. Because that does make a difference for the quarterback because they're slightly different shape and slightly different sizes.
0: Yes, that is 100% true. The NFL footballs is a little shorter and thicker, whereas the NCAA football is a little longer and more narrow. Um, that does make an impact. Um, and uh, I'll finish off the quarterbacks. Uh, Sam Howell. He's, he's got arm talent, but it just doesn't seem mentally he's where he, anywhere close to where he needs to be. He threw the ball away in um, two receiver drills where you no you don't throw the ball away in those drills. And it just kind of grew, uh, got a gasp from the crowd. like What in the world are you doing, man? And he wasn't really trying to make plays down the field to show off his arm ability and decision-making skills. And then Bailey Zappi actually had a pretty decent week. Um, he showed that his arm wasn't a Nerf gun. And I think for him, that was 100% the biggest thing. He needed to show that he had some form of arm strength. It was capable. But he also was timid at throwing over the middle of the field. Because he was timid at throwing in the middle of the field, which is normal for an air-raid style offense, it's going to give uh, NFL evaluators um, some hesitation because you have to throw over the middle of the field to be successful in the NFL. There are too many talented players that can – Really stop a lot of those outbreaking routes, which Zappy is dominant at throwing outbreaking routes. He's got incredible timing, accuracy, placement, and has enough zip to make him work. But the NFL is a different game; you have to be able to challenge him inside, or they're just going to bite on everything outbreaking.
1: Dinesh asked the question: Would it be prudent to wait a year before we invest on a QB in the draft?
0: So, I'll no. hit, it's a two-part question. It's a two-part question. Um, first, you have to answer the question, do you believe in any of these QBs? If you believe, like, I'm a big Malik and carson strong guy. I believe that if I have the ability to take one of those guys, I can develop him and make him a star quarterback. If you have that firm belief with one of these players, you take it and run because there is no guarantee for next year. Like if Kirk Cousins is a starting quarterback for this team, we're going to be at like the 15th pick. And there's almost no way we're going to be able to move up to take a Bryce younger CJ Stroud. Like it, it's just reality. Like the dolphins tanked for Tua. They ended up getting the fifth pick and they got Tua because he broke his hip. Now look at where Tua is. Like there is no guarantee for next year. You have to play and scout the position that way. Now, If you know, oh, the 2023 class is going to be loaded with receivers. There's going to be like 15 really, really good ones. Okay, maybe you hold off taking a receiver a year. But you can't guarantee yourself one of these top quarterbacks. There's just not enough to go around. If you're sold on one now, you take one now. And that's how you have to approach this thing. If you're not sold on one, don't take one and then push it down the line. Uh, you, You can't count on being able to get one of those top guys. It's just not plausible. It's not good business.
2: Yeah, actually, I actually think there's like four guys in this draft class that have potential to be developed, really. I mean, it's going to take a little longer. I think Pickett, Strong. I, I think Howell's going to take a minute, but if you can develop him, I think Howell has a chance to be really good. Before Sean Payton retired, I thought him and New Orleans was like a match made in heaven. So we'll have to see what happens there now, but maybe he can go to Tampa Bay with Brian Leftwich. Who knows? But... There are four guys, in my opinion, excluding Zappy, I think. I don't think I include because I think Zappy has a chance to be a good quarterback too. I think there's guys worth investing in. And like and like Tyler said, you just you don't know what's gonna happen next season. If you do end up getting Kirk Cousins, you can basically count out getting a top quarterback. I mean, you can trade up, sure, but you're like giving up like probably first and second round picks for the next like three drafts to try to do that, which doesn't really make any sense. So if there's going to be a guy there at 12, there's going to be a guy there on a trade back. That's just how this class is going to fall. If you have confidence in a guy, you take him. And I think there's, there, there's reason to have confidence in just about each of one of these top five players. Like they all have their own individual, like skill sets that can inspire confidence. Like Kenny Pickett has small hands, but I mean, he threw like, 50% on his deep balls of 20 yards or more or something like that. And Carson Strong has a great arms and how he has a good base of fundamentals. He's just inaccurate and he's, he's super athletic. Malik Wills is like almost like a copy of Lamar Jackson where you can do stuff like that. So it's like, it depends on your coaching staff. It depends what you can put in place. It's going to be, it's going to be much dependent on what each franchise can do when it comes to developing a quarterback rather than the QB class just being weak per se.
0: And I think that's the tough part. You have to be able to parse out the ability to, Hey, this is a weak quarterback class versus these guys are just going to take time. Quarterbacks are always going to take time. And I've been kind of preaching it guys like Russell Wilson, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. uh, They have truly warped our ability to perceive how good or how much time some of these quarterbacks need because they're outliers. Not every quarterback comes in and is great every year. Peyton Manning's rookie through twenty-seven picks and is still the NFL record for interceptions in a season. That'll probably never be broken based on how the game is really trended, and it's such a quarterback-friendly league. Uh, some guys just need time. Like, I know I talked about Patrick Mahomes being able to step on the field and just dominate right away. Well, he also sat his entire first year. We have to give these guys time. We have to be patient. Quarterback is a tough position. Not only is it a tough position, a lot of these guys are running college-based offenses. They're not translatable. Matt Corral, RPOs, Halffield field reads. Malik Willis ran a backyard offense, which uh, somebody uh, snitch-tagged my article that I wrote on Tuesday about Malik Willis, and that quoted and tagged his head coach Hugh Freeze and just absolutely buried me on Twitter for calling it a backyard offense like well at the end of the day you win games but it's a backyard offense and malik (laughs) willis didn't really have an opportunity to grow so there's so much projection needed for these guys it just makes it really difficult to figure out how good are some of these players and you have to be able to answer a lot of those questions yourself and it can be really difficult to answer when you don't know you just don't know um it's a you had a lot more answers to those questions with Trevor Lawrence, with Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, just the fields. You don't with these guys. And you're going to have to really trust your front office to be able to make those calls because every guy's got a fatal flaw. you got to figure out if it's worth risking it.
1: Good point. Yes. Good point. Well, shall we roll into the mock draft, or is there any other takes from Mobile you want to share?
0: Yeah, um, I'll share a couple of pieces of news information that I got uh, from Mobile. The Steelers are obsessed with Malik Willis. They spent a lot of time with his family. Um, his head coach, Hugh Freeze, was down there and spent a lot of time talking to him. And the Panthers love Kenny Pickett. So There's a little bit of a backstory here. Before Matt Rule went to Baylor, Kenny Pickett committed to play for Matt Rule at Temple. So there's a little bit of a history there. Um, and then that they still continue to have a really good relationship. Um, I would not be surprised to see the Panthers take Kenny Pickett. Um, I want nothing to do with Kenny Pickett. I think he is a <laughs> jag of all jags. And I don't think he's a guy who can elevate the players around you. I think he can be great in the right situation. You plug him in with Denver and how loaded that offense already is with weapons. It, has a, it needs like one or two pieces on the offensive line. That's a situation where Kenny Pickett can thrive. But if you're asking him to be your franchise and not just a guy uh, under center, I don't want anything to do with Pickett. It's Willis, Corral, or Strong. Those are the only guys that would be willing to take that real risk on early. But I also haven't uh, finished Ritter, but I don't think I'm going to like him because of all those accuracy issues. And Zappi, I'll just be too high on Zappi because I love a fun little gunslinger who just likes to that flick the ball where it shouldn't go and just works. But he's probably not a guy you want to spend a high pick on either, just because of the limitations. And I don't know how good of an elevator he's going to be. It doesn't feel like he's going to be a great one. Um, Lastly, I would say if you want wide receiver defensive line, those are, this is a great year to need both a great year to need both.
1: And we just might need both, especially on the edge. Yes. And if they get rid of Adam Thielen, we might be looking for a true wide receiver, too.
0: Bingo. There's a lot of guys who could fit that bill, and I know we're going to go into it as we continue to talk about the uh, this mock draft that we're about to do. Let me tell you, if you are an NFL draft fan, Drew, I know you're in here. You got to go to the Senior Bowl. You got to go to the Senior Bowl. They will credential pretty much anybody who does any form of media, written, podcast, YouTube. They'll credential you. High, 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 high recommend you go.
1: What about the East West Shrine Bowl? I hear they're trying to
0: compete. Oh, you got to read the piece from Arif Hassan. Holy crap. There's some bad blood between him and Jim Nagy. But until the East West Shrine game really starts to pull big time prospects and take them away from the Senior Bowl, the East West Shrine game is a second or third tier game. They're trying, they're not even close yet.
1: There's Drew. All right, let's flip over, start this draft.
0: Drew, you get down there. I will show you around, introduce you to some really cool draft people. It's it's a good time. You just got one. Be prepared to be uh, to go for about fifteen straight hours because you go downtown and you stay out to like three o'clock because that's when you meet the scouts. That's when I met a couple agents. Um, I met uh, NFL media guys from PFF. This that's how you make contacts and you meet people. You drink. Sounds weird. But uh, no, I'm serious. These guys all go out to relax afterwards, and that's when you can have those conversations.
1: That's cool. Let's get this going. And they do make good non alcoholic beverages now. Um, Yes, they do. In all sorts of flavors not only just alcohol, but beer and wine and different types of beers. Alright, we're gonna be picking for the Vikings, right? Right. Three rounds Something like that. You wanna three or four?
0: Let's do three. We don't have a fourth.
1: Yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you never know with Quacy. Raymond, I will I will see if I can get some film on EJ Perry. Um I don't think you can convince me that he's better than Malik Willis, but I will go in with an open mind.
1: And our first trade offer comes in from the Bills. They want to give us their 25th pick, 57th in the second, and 128th in the fourth for our 12th.
0: I'll say this, that's a good offer, but I think because we traded back last time, we should really explore what pick 12 has to offer, because that's more than likely going to be where we pick.
1: And there's the board.
0: Oh All man, right. I, I'm walking I'll off with my
1: guy from Florida State. I I can't read it. Oh, <laughs> well, and if I it, I can't blow it up any bigger and have it still be on the screen, um, that's
0: that's fine.
1: <clears throat> Jordan Davis, Jermaine Johnson, David Ojabi Ojabo or however you pronounce it, Traylon Ojabo, Burks, it's, yeah, Jamison Winston Williams, Trayvon Walker, Ahmad Gardner. Andrew Booth Jr., Kenny Pickett, Matt Carell, George Karlaftis, Devin Lloyd, linebacker, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, Zion Johnson, interior O-line, from BC, Boston College. N'Kobe Dean is down there at 26. Any of those guys? You got interior D-line, edge, edge, Wide receiver, wide receiver,
2: edge. I, uh, I'm i walking up with uh, Jermaine Johnson's name. I think you take that, you put him next to Hunter, and you, uh, you solve those edge problems real fast.
0: I don't disagree. Um, I think uh, down the line we're going to have to explore not taking an edge here at the top, but I think we should go with him right now, especially because he's that hot name. Able to win with length and power. And really went from like a one-tool guy to a three-to-four-tool guy, and he can beat you in multiple ways. Uh, he was good at Georgia, but he with even with Florida State being absolutely abysmal, he didn't stop working hard. And he didn't stop trying to get better and improve. So I'm all for Jermaine Johnson. Um, biggest thing for me, though, we got to explore that day-to-edge probably next week. Because that edge group is very good at the back end.
1: Well, so um,
2: what what makes me go edge early is I like the corner group day two. Also, I think corner has some solid names day two. I know a lot of attention goes to Sauce Gardner, Booth Jr., but I think after McDuffie, there's like four or five guys who I think are going to be pretty good in second and maybe early third round. And linebacker too, I think linebacker has a few names like uh, there's Muma, there's Smith, and there's also Leah Ch- Leo uh, Leo Chanel Chanel. I like him too. I think he's from Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, but would you go edge over cornerback at this point in time? Yeah, but would you go edge over cornerback at this point in time? They're both. I think yes. So they're two probably the two most important positions on defense.
0: I I would would not go go edge over corner right now because I think that the edge talent drop off is a lot um is a lot smaller from first to second round than it is for corner. Because you can get corner one at this point. You're getting like edge four. Edge four to edge 10, that drop off is nowhere near as much as like corner one to corner seven. So while I agree with Deshaun's point that there is a lot of nice cornerback depth in the second round, I think that the the drop off is more extreme from corner uh, in those two rounds than edge. Although you really can't lose because you're getting a really, really good player either
1: way. Correct. Well, the top corner they have on the board is Ahmad Garner.
2: I think Ahmad Garner and Booth Jr. are both going to be pretty good. So you really couldn't go wrong. But the only reason why I say Edge is because earlier when I was running through the offseason stuff through free agency, there are like a list of veteran c- cornerback names that I would like to see them go after. Obviously, we'll have to wait and see for that one. But that's okay. I lean Edge first, but like. Like he said, either one. I mean, and also getting, like, a really good corner on a rookie contract is, is just, like, insane value. I mean, edge too, but either one, you, you can't go wrong.
1: All right. Now, Raymond asked, can somebody explain why no O-line or D-line in the first round? When So, the most in my opinion... Important? In his opinion.
2: In my opinion once you get those two tackles, you no longer need to shell out top tier resources for, for offensive linemen. I feel like once you have that left tackle and that right tackle secure, I feel like uh, Cleveland is to he's continuing to build like season on season, and he's continuing to do well. So you're really only looking for a center and maybe a right guard, depending on what they do with Wyatt Davis. I would not spend a top tier resource on that. I would leave that to free agency. Um, I do think the... Last year, you saw a theme with uh, veteran offensive linemen guys getting contracts that are like four million a year, five million a year, even maybe even less. I, I do think that that will continue as they're kind of just like the positional value thing kind of comes into play. I don't think you'll see them getting massive contracts. And I think we can land one or two, so we won't have to spend high resources on, resources on them. Also, I think Austin Corbett from the Rams. I think he's a free agent. He has that. Kevin O'Connell connections so I could be a guy to look at
1: interesting uh for me it's the positional value that comes into play yes i believe games are won on the offensive or on the line of scrimmage on both sides but for value and impact to the game the especially once you get the two tackles and you're correct on that Deshaun it it drops down in value and it's you if you pick somebody early they better be, you know, a future Hall of Famer type or you're overspending. You're wasting the value you have for that pick. When somebody who's playing corner or edge, those are the two most high-valued positions on defense, uh, quarterback is obviously the highest valued, and then you get wide receivers on offense, they, they produce more. You get more points added. On, that, on those players than you do on a guard. And that's why you don't see it going early unless they are so very good that you can't pass it up. All right, so you wanted to go with Jermaine Johnson, correct?
0: Yep. And I'll kind of uh, finish out that point of interior O-liner here with this. Iowa's Tyler Lindenbaum is going to be a very divisive prospect. I've heard people that I respect talk about him possibly being the best player in this class. Linderbaum, one, it's a Rick Spielman special. He's a former wrestler, but he's dominant at the center position. A mauler, a tone setter. And I think he could have a similar type impact for an offensive line that Quentin Nelson had in 2018. Just being able to like instantly come in and make that kind of heavy impact uh, really impact the guys next to him. If you put him next to Ezra Cleveland and even Oli Udo, that presence there of dominance, of somebody you can rely and count on, and somebody who's just that kind of tone setter could make a massive impact on the Vikings' offensive line moving forward. So he's going to be somebody that's going to be talked about a lot in that first-round range. It's not something that you want to dismiss right away. Center is infinitely more important than guard, especially when you're talking uh, protection, identifying uh, players blitzing, being able to slide things at, on the fly. Like there's, there's a lot of value to center, and if you really improve that position, you'd be surprised what can happen to your team.
1: Matt Corral went to the Steelers. And do we want to trade back into the first round? Bengals are offering their pick 31. Obviously, Draft Network thinks they lose Sunday. And for our second round and fifth rounder. This is what I don't like about the Draft Network's board. I can't see who's on the board at this point.
0: I know. I hate that. I, I was hopeful that they were going to improve that. They unfortunately have not done so yet.
1: Do we want to accept this to get a fifth year option on a player? Let's do the second and the fifth.
0: I'm going to say no, only for the fact that this trade would never happen in real life. Okay. And we want to try and give our people the, or more as, realistic as good of a more realistic approach. Obviously there are things like, Hey, a cave on Thibodeau could fall out of the top 10. Like, Stuff like that can happen, but outside of, like, we're not going to be able to move up 15 spots for a second and a fifth. Mm-hmm.
1: Raymond asked, why is that, Tyler? I think you just explained it. All right, Dolphins. <laughs> They're offering their second round. And six round for our second round to move back six spots. Four spots, I can't add.
0: I don't think a six is worth four spots
1: at
2: this point. No. There's another another offer on on the other side.
1: On the other side, we drop back 14 spots and pick up a fourth. Mm.
0: How many spots? Fourteen. Fourteen.
1: Nah, no, that's worth it. All right, we're on the board. On the top of the board, we have Desmond Ritter, QB, Kenneth Walker, running back, Nicholas petit Frere, offensive tackle, Lewis Sine, or Kine, however he pronounces that, safety, Isaiah Spiller, running back, Sean Ryan, interior O-line, Sam Howell. QB, Jeremy Saylor, interior O-line, Carson, strong QB. See, we're seeing a lot of these quarterbacks now in the second round. Um, Bernard Raymond, offensive tackle, Jalen Petrie, safety, Isaiah Likely, tight end, Kingsley, Enigbear, edge, Egbari. Egbari. Trey McBride, tight end. John Metchie, the third wide receiver. Brian Azamoa, linebacker. Let's see.
0: All right, well, I, I think we're good to kind of stop there, Dave. I think okay. you did a really good job of talking about all these prospects. When I take a look at the board, um, one thing that uh, – I think we need to look at is we need to look at young prospects. I think yeah. especially if uh Quasey follows that uh, model of um, Andrew Barry, that's what we really need to be looking at. Younger prospects are going to make a really big difference here in the situation. The youngest prospect in the draft is Isaiah Spiller, the running back Texas a and If Dalvin cook is on the team, we're not going to make this pick. If he's off the team, I would not be surprised if they kind of value this a really good running back uh, who's got re- who's got great vision, explosiveness, has a really good contact balance, but it's also it doesn't make sense to take a running back with what we currently have on the roster. Um, quarterback, um, I already expressed my thoughts on Ritter. Um, everybody knows my undying love for Carson Strong and what he could bring to this team. I genuinely think he moves like Pete Dan Marino in the pocket. It's incredibly high praise, but he's really, 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 really good. And he's got an arm to make every single throw. Uh, Sailor, the interior offensive lineman of Georgia, had a really nice week down in Mobile. Sean Ryan is a great athlete. I don't. I haven't watched him yet, but I've seen a lot of people that prefer him to tackle. Um, I've also seen people that want him as a guard. Uh, one guy I'm going to recommend here: um, Jalen Petrie, the safety out of Baylor, absolute stud. It, he's a very hybrid-type player, he can be used in a many different ways. You can put him in the slot. You can put him deep. You can put him in the box. You can put him as a as kind of like a hybrid-style linebacker. The guy is just all over making plays. Incredibly sticky in coverage, physical, great tackler, and able to shoot gaps when necessary in the running game. Uh, Petrie is just a do-it-all type player. And quite frankly, when you're the Vikings and you have as many needs as we do, and we're really not going to contend in 2022 – Just take good football players. That's Jalen Petrie. That's going to be the guy of this group that I'm going to bang the table for. Um, Raymond, the offensive tackle, Central Michigan, turns 25 in August. There is almost zero chance that the Vikings take him, so we probably shouldn't be spending much time on him. Um, Guys that old with uh, like the Andrew Berry model, which I I would expect that uh, Quasi, who likely had a really big say on how that model was used and crafted he's probably going to take that with him so i would just stay away
1: Um, well and it makes sense the whole idea if you draft somebody who's really young 21 22 years old you have more prime years ahead of you than if you draft a guy that's 25 Mm -hmm. and and we see that with Daniil Hunter. Hunter Hunter's only 27. He has yet to yeah. see his prime years.
0: No, 100%. It's amazing that D'Neill Hunter's been in the league since 2015 and he's 27 years old. That's the kind of value you can get by taking a young player. That's why, if you remember, the Texans of like years back took a Mobi Akoye, who's a four year player at Louisville, but he was 20 because he graduated high school at 16, and he didn't end up working out. But if he hits, that third contract is signed when he's like 29 years old. And you can get real value in his prime with that third contract, which is something you can't say for a lot of prospects. So that's why I mentioned the youngest player in the draft being Isaiah Spiller. That could be an interesting option if Cook is gone. Um, at the end of the day, Petrie's my guy. But Deshaun, we haven't really heard from you much with this this group here. What do you see and what are you thinking? Yeah, Petrie's my guy too. I think I mentioned him last show, just all
2: over the place, just kind of the Harrison Smith type before Harrison Smith retires. If you don't go quarterback here, which that's probably where I would lean is quarterback here because just the value of having potentially a starting quarterback in the second round is off the charts. But if you were not to go quarterback – Jalen Petrie would be my guy because because his cover skills are adequate. He can actually cover, and he can play slot cornerback, and he can play linebacker, and he can rush. He's just good football player. You take good football players in the second round. Reminds me not a lot, but kind of how the Browns were using uh, JOK. So I think that that would be a good pick.
1: Well, he's a six foot six footer, but he is corner of the right up. A good football player plays all sorts of positions. So boom, done.
2: Oh, and that Raymond I would have th- taken a of there? I probably would have taken strong if I had my choice. I can see someone taking Howell instead just because of that added dimension, but I personally would have would have taken Carson Strong.
1: San Francisco's offering their second-round pick at 61 for our third and our sixth. The difference in picks to drop to uh, our third is 16. No, I can't add.
0: I'm going to say no again because the trade is not realistic. Not realistic. We want to try and...
1: I need to reset the speed like of this thing to go a little bit faster. Right. Coming I like Jay Sanders.
2: I think he's going to be another one of those edge guys that's going to fall a little bit.
1: All right. Here we go. We got Dallas. He had a really offering, good
0: week at the Senior Bowl, too.
1: Offering a th- their third at 88, 11 positions dropped, in a sixth. Yeah, we're going no. that one. All right. On the board. All right. Linebacker, Damon Clark, LSU. Drake Jackson, Edge, USC. Jalen Weidermeyer, Tight End, Texas A&M. Jeremy Ruckett, Tight End, The Ohio State. Sky Moore, Wide Receiver, Western Michigan. Kyron Williams, Running Back, Notre Dame. Nick Onito, Edge, Oklahoma. Cade Otten, Tight End, Washington. Waddell, Windale Wandale Robinson, wide receiver, Kentucky. Boye, Mafé, Edge, Minnesota. Wasn't he the kid that did so well this weekend?
0: Yes, he was. Yeah. Um, we can obviously talk about him, but tight end is going to be a position that we're going to talk about heavily moving forward. One, what? because it's going to be a need. Two, this <laughs> is an incredible tight end class. You don't have a, a, that top-end guy like a Kyle Pitts, but you have about 10 guys who should be drafted by the end of the fourth round. This is a very good class. Uh, Trey McBride is already off the board, but Jeremy Rucker had a top-five week in Mobile. It unfortunately ended early due to a, um, a plantar fascia injury. Uh, but Rucker showed incredible hands. He showed way better separation of route running than I had seen on film. And he was using leverage. He was using his size, That just doing anything he can to get open. I thought he was going to be a Kyle Rudolph type. He showed me a lot that, that really tells me that Ohio state just wasn't able to use him because of the glut of great receivers that they had. Uh, I think Rucker could be a really, really good player in the national football league. And he showed me a lot this week. Um, Weidermeyer, but was viewed as like tight end one going into the year. Had a little bit of a down year. Um, they lost um, Haynes King early on and Zach Calzada, who just was not a great quarterback. Ended up taking over in College Station. And Weidemar's stats really suffered from it. His opportunities did as well. But he's a really, really good football player. Um, Kate Otten uh, hurt his knee at the end of the year. Otherwise, he would have been in Mobile as well. Um, Otten was fantastic. Um, Drew, uh, you, you don't scout the helmet, you scout the player, buddy. You should know that.
1: Uh-huh, but there like, hey, so remember? many Ohio State failures.
0: Yeah, so just like <laughs> look at those quarterbacks, eh? Right? All right, mm-hmm. Perfect. Glad we got that out of the way. Um, tight end is going to be a group that we're going to be focusing heavy on. Um, if you want to go receiver here, Sky Moore is a really intriguing option. Um, everybody knows I loved Dwayne Eskridge last year. He was taken in the second round. Skymore might be better than Dwayne Askridge. Really good player. Fast, quick, great at the catch point, strong hands. Um, he's he's going to be a fantastic value here at this spot. I worry that that 5'10 measurement...
1: That's scary. ...that he
0: comes in under that. Uh, because colleges are known to fudge the numbers uh, with these uh, heights and weights for players. So I'm a little worried that that might not be correct. Um, but th- this is a really... Good good group of players to pick from. Uh, Clark, the linebacker from LSU, had a fantastic week in Mobile as well. Showed a lot of explosiveness. Showed a lot of intelligence. Um, I saw Ben Fennell uh, was tweeting the other day about Clark. And every play, he said, he's di- he's calling stuff out. He is directing traffic. And he, is, he knows what's going on before it happens. That's what you want from a, a middle linebacker-type player like Clark. Drake Jackson also is... Projected to go in the first round preseason. Jackson's a really athletic, good football player at the edge position. More of a bigger edge. It's not gonna have a ton of bend, but Daniel Hunter doesn't have a ton of bend either. Look at how good he is. Um that could be a really nice steal in round three. Deshaun, what do you like? So I changed it up a little bit. I was really high on
2: record last drafts. I think having that end zone guy, which he showed that now he showed at the senior bowl that he can work the middle of the field and that he can be like a real tight end one. I think having him on Earth Smith can be a great one two punch for the offense. And I really, if you think about think back to how the um, Rams use Tyler Higby, Tyler Higby is not overly athletic, but they use him so well to the point where it makes him seem like a top 10 tight end in the league. And they could probably do the same thing with Earth Smith and Tyler Ruck and Jeremy Ruckett. So I, Ruckett would not be a bad pick here. Sky Moore, I he's a small guy, but I like how he works against press coverage. I think he does well enough against press coverage that his size won't matter too much. And he also has some creativity in his route running that I wouldn't mind going receiver here too much. It just depends on how they view ISM. Because, you know, he had that big game in the, the last meaningless game or whatever. So, Cause, so he kind of feels, they kind of feel the same role But you can never have too many wide receivers. And then Chad Muma and Brandon Smith, we already know how I feel about those two. In the third round, those are my two preferred uh, outside linebacker prospects. But if I had to choose here, I would probably go Chad Muma. I think of these people here, he's probably my favorite prospect on this board. Comes in, I think he's pretty – he's super smart. His, uh, I think I said he reminds me of, like, Sean Lee when he was playing, <laughs> when he was actually playing. Um, I think he comes in, he replaces Anthony Barr. Not as explosive, but I think he can come in and start and play
0: well next to Eric Kendricks right away. Yeah. Um, I will say uh, to who's that dude that's uh, commenting here, don't need to invest on a third time in with Kevin O'Connell running 11 personnel. We don't know that Kevin O'Connell wants to heavily run 11 personnel. We think that, but we genuinely don't know. And even so, you can't count on Irv Smith being here after next year. So you still need two solid tight ends. Conklin's a free agent, and he's probably going to take the money because we're not going to be able to pay him like the $6, 7000000 million he's going to get in free agency. So taking a tight end here is not only one, you need a second guy, but two, preparing for well, a potential Irv Smith junior departure.
2: So yeah, like, and it's like Ruckett is like a he's yeah, a red Austin. zone specialist. Like I don't don't like underestimate how important red zone efficiency is. So like spinning a third round pick on a guy that's going to improve your red zone efficiency, that's a that's a good pick. Like that's not something that's going to waste. Red zone efficiency is you want to be scoring touchdowns, not field goals. That's that's a well-invested pick. Even if he only and, ends up having like like 30 receptions, but if he's scoring touchdowns, doing what Kyle Rudolph does, it's it's a well, it's a well invested thing.
1: But
0: Deshaun, going- I'll be honest, I don't I don't think he's a red zone specialist. I did going into this week, he showed me a lot that he can be more than that. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he was underutilized. When you have Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., Fleming, Jamison Williams was there last year. Like that receiver core is so loaded. Plus you have Travion Henderson in the backfield. How are you going to get a tight end involved intentionally? It's just not going to happen. So that's kind of where, why I was set on, Hey, I think this guy's limited. I think I was wrong. And this weekend really opened my eyes to his potential. And I think you're looking at a guy that can be a stud for you moving forward and not super limited like Kyle Rudolph was. So I would almost think about taking him here. I'm not against Chad Muma. Um, I keep looking at Drake Jackson. I know we already took an edge. But you'd have a third guy. I don't think Patrick Jones is going to amount to anything. I'm not counting on Janarius Robinson to amount to anything until he proves me something on the field. Because obviously he missed the whole season after being placed on IR after training camp. That's a really intriguing one because he did have that first round upside going into the year. Uh,
1: all right now that would be nice and I like the idea, but are we taking twenty twenty two and say we go with either the tight end or that edge so we have it there and foregoing other needs we know we have no we have one starter at linebacker. Are we at the point where I'm, we need to draft for need?
0: Because of what we don't know in free agency, I don't think I think drafting for need in these exercises and try, and try and educate the public on who some of these players are, I think it's a good idea to try and take need. So I'm all for MUMA. But I also think it's important to have these conversations about, hey, this is where the board sits right now. These are the directions we could go. And that's why I think tight end is an important conversation to have because it is a very good group. A very, very good group. Yeah,
2: I, I'm also like I'm I'm for like maximizing the offense, honestly, because that's going to be that's going to be the thing that wins your games. So if any pick that's like going to make sure the offense is top notch at the best that they can be. I think is a good news pick. I mean, the de- you're only counting on the defense on being like average, maybe slightly above average. I don't think with Mike Zimmer gone, I don't think we're ever going to get back to that elite top five, what top three defense again. So you're really just kind of looking for those guys to not be awful. So if you're, especially like in the coming year or year after that, so if you use a pick or two, especially a pick that's like outside of the top 75, you're using that to make sure that your offense has the depth it needs to, to make sure it can function for 16 straight games, I don't think it's a bad thing.
1: <laughs> that would surprise me, Dinesh. Um, under Spielman, we'd all agree we'd have traded back <laughs> numerous times by now. So, who's your selection then here? We can build for the future, the present, or we can go the, I need to patchwork something together. I'll tell you what. I (laughs) I like the philosophy of looking two years down the road and selecting your players for then. Where's your hole two years from now?
0: I'll say this. If you take Muma and fill the hole now, you're – Also filling a hole for next year, so I think you're kind of accomplishing both at once. So let's take Muma here.
1: Uh, Linebacker, wild football player. Yep. Boom.
0: like you don't need a tight end now, but you need one next year. You're gonna need a linebacker next year, especially if Eric Kendricks continues to fall off like he did this year. So you're kind of uh, getting two birds with one stone in this instance.
1: Pete Kuber asks, how do you know what to draft for the Vikings if they switch to a 3-4? Most defenses nowadays run both, or a combination of both. They're hybrids. Uh, yeah, they're hybrids. And then if you throw in the um the bear, whatever the heck they call it, with the two defensive tackles in the middle, more of the old 5 yep. two's variety, variety, they're hybrids. Yep. That's why you need to draft guys if you're looking at linebackers that can play inside-outside. And uh, go left or right. And they'll fit in either system. And there's the results. Uh, User picks, user trades. We didn't do any trades. Our selections were three. We ended up with, and I can now make that larger so people can see a little bit better. Boom. 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 With Jermaine Johnson, Edge, Florida. Go outside Hunter. Three defense. Uh, Jalen Petrie, safety Baylor, and Chad Muma, linebacker. Yeah. So
0: you ended up helping three levels of the defense, but you didn't help the offense at all in this three-round mock. I don't know how likely that's going to be as far as translating into what happens in April, but we hit three areas of need with three good players who can play right away. I don't think it's a necessity to draft guys that can play right away, but we were able to accomplish it with our first three picks and I think that's a big win for how the the 2022 Minnesota Vikings can fare on the defensive side of the football.
1: I concur. Yeah,
2: and I think a lot of our a lot of our offensive needs can be filled in free agency cuz outside of the two interior I mean, you need a tight end, but that can be, round, that can be found in like, around four or five. I think Conklin was, like, a fifth-round pick maybe. But I think outside of the two um, interior positions, I think most of the offense is kind of set. I mean, you probably want one more wide receiver because you don't really want to count on D C Johnson coming back from, I think it was an ACL tear. Um, you have yeah. ISM, but you really just kind of want one more guy there and i'm not i think the free agency class is full with a lot of top tier players so we'll see we we'll kind of see what happens there but the offense is pretty set if you can find those two interior place interior players in free agency so i actually wouldn't mind waiting a little bit to kind of take like another one of those fifth round flyers on a wide receiver i know uh who is it that doesn't like that there's somebody in this group that hates that we wait until the fifth round to pick wide receivers <laughs> I think it's yeah. Miles. Miles talks about it all the time. Miles, he hates it. We yeah. wait. We wait until like the fifth or sixth round. But hey, when you get KJ Osborne and you get ISM, who look like they have potential, it maybe not be, might not be a horrible process, especially when you're only looking for like a wide receiver four or maybe a five or just death piece. Because KJ Osborne at times really sure. <laughs> <laughs> Osborne showed that he can. He's on his way to becoming like a solidified like wide receiver two. So we'll see what next year's bring. But um yeah, I think the offense can be set with what they have. They're really just looking for depth pieces when it comes to the draft. But also, like I said, in that third round would not mind, would not have mind taking a tight end at all. I'm yeah, sure we'll
1: get plenty be of a chances. Very
0: interesting option.
1: I'm sure we'll get plenty of chances between now and April. Since we do this once a week, every week.
0: <laughs> yes, that we do. And Dave, we have some really good stuff coming up this week. We have In the Huddle tomorrow with Jason and the gang, 8 o'clock central, just like every show this week. Wednesday, we're still working out, but I am projected to be on um, Vikings Happy Hour with Matt. Uh, But uh, we'll keep you updated on that because I unfortunately can't make 8 o'clock. So we will keep you posted on how that transpires. Thursday, Vikings Hot Takes with the great flip Mozzie and Eric Thompson from the Daily Norseman.
1: Not this week. What? Nope. 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 Not no. Not this hot, week. No hot takes Eric this week. Eric is down in uh, uh, Southern Caribbean getting his daily dose of vitamin Get D this. with his wife along with his citrus and some fruity drink he's drinking. And he's taking some time <laughs> off. So that, that's fine. Uh It happens, but Darren and I will be here Saturday as well.
0: Perfect. And if you also want to check me out, I will be on Score North's Purple Daily on Thursday afternoon, projected to start at 11 o'clock. So you can watch live or you can listen back or watch on a podcast form or on YouTube. That'll be fun. We'll be talking a lot of Senior Bowl. We'll be talking some mock draft stuff. And it looks like I potentially may be a regular contributor there. So, Uh, make sure you keep an eye out that's always a fun time talking with Phil Declan and Judd Um, I'll always always like the crotchety sports dad element because he's got just an experience that
1: uh, I just don't have with that what do we say from
0: myself from Dave and Deshaun have a wonderful Monday and Skull Vikings baby Skull Vikings
1: Climbing the Pocket, thanks you for watching. Remember to like, subscribe, ring the bell, and if you're listening, rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull!